I just wanted to add a couple more thoughts to this. I've had this conversation with Jill a couple of times, and she would argue that just telling somebody to go find God is not enough. And she seems to think that I'm saying that somebody just needs to run to the Lord and that that is it. And it, But believe it or not, that is actually what I am saying. And so she's saying, but how do you, you know, reconcile the person who's not, um, or how do you help the person who's not even capable enough of dealing with, you know, their level of abuse or, or what have you? Okay, so here's, here's the thing, though, is I still feel like the majority of counseling... It is effective. I do believe that it does have some value and it is showing some effectiveness or it would never be done. It's, I, I, I think um, one time uh, the Mercedes had some black, uh, black paint and had some, some swirly marks on it and I wanted to get those taken. So there's two choices. You can either wax it or get a paint job. The waxing it and the buffing it does have an impact. It, it does change. It does have a result to it that is beneficial, but it is a temporary result. I mean, the guy that even did it said, Mike, you're going to be back to see me in two years. So a paint, a new paint job would have had a different, res, uh, same result, longer lasting impact than just having the vehicle waxed or buffed. I feel like a lot of counseling is the same way that it is providing temporary relief to a problem that is deep and that is permanent. I do realize it helps people get out of crisis mode. They're in crisis mode and whatever that thing is, it's eating their lunch is, is really, really eating their lunch. And so um, talking with somebody about it and getting some ideas and a change of perspective helps. But at the end of the day, I wonder if there is a simpler way. Because here's here's the question I pose. Okay, everybody in the world, the majority of the people in the world, have experienced pain and dysfunction. Like I was going to court this morning and I was looking around at all of these really rough-looking people and just thinking, man, I'm at, what, what kind of pain must that person have been through to end up in a life like this? Where they look like that, they smell like that, they act like that, they just, you know, they, they, I just wondered, you know, and they must have been through a lot of pain. So there's a lot of people that have been through difficult things. There's not enough Christian counselors to go around. So again, did God set this whole thing up such that the only way you could get set free and live a decent life is if you could find an available Christian counselor that you could afford, that you understood, that you agreed with, that you related to, that was near you in proximity? Or a book that somebody read? That is that the only way that God expects to be able to help? Is that every because there's just not enough Christian counselors to go around? So is it, how is that fair? Only the people that know about it, think about it, or have enough room, uh, you know, in their budget to do it can benefit from Christian counseling. I mean, that is so ridiculous to me. That's not the way God set it up. There was no such thing as a professional counselor in the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit. And I think that, again, I just feel like that the majority of issues can be simplified and rectified by going back to what the Bible teaches. And I want to prove this with my own life. I want to prove that my insecurity, 
fear of abandonment and all of that stuff can go away not because I got some interesting psychological tool or some great idea of how the brain works and the systems that are going in place. No, I could care less about that. Nobody knew about the amygdala 100 years ago. Or if they did, they didn't know what it meant. Nobody understood the limbic system. Nobody needed to know about left brain, right brain. That didn't do anything to help any of those people back in the day. I think it doesn't do anything much but confuse us today. I feel so convicted about this. And I, I, you know, my counselor friends don't want to hear anything about this because they have spent so much time and energy learning these complicated ideas, methodologies, psychology, metaphors. And there's almost this sense that it has to all be complicated so that I can be the expert, so that I can help you who's not the expert. And thus you need me. I know that sounds so critical, and I would I need to almost apologize to any of my counselor friends that ever hear this, but because at one point I thought the same thing, maybe I should be a counselor. And I just don't I see that there needs to be more discipleship. We need to teach people how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to forgive, how to run to Scripture to understand who they are in Christ, like I'm slowly trying to do. And I think that's why the Lord is allowing me to struggle and wrestle with all of these ideas and and personally wrestle with this such that I have this personal experience um, that it is solved or it is mitigated by running to the Lord. You know, here again, I nevertheless will boast in my weakness, for when I am weak, He is strong. And it, it, like Larry and I talked about this morning, if you just get to the point where you just go, hey, I got that licked, and you just speak it out and the devil's gone, and you just say something that's gone, well, what do you need God for? You become your own God, whereas God wants us to be dependent upon Him, which brings me full circle. Does God really want us running to a counselor who's going to teach us secular principles rather than Christian discipleship? And does he want us focused on, you know, all the 10 or 20 people that have hurt us and abandoned us? And do we really have to write these vomit letters? Um, Do we really have to, you know, do all those things? Or is it simply... By faith, being taught from the Bible, issues of forgiveness, and walking in it in faith and seeing how it it plays out. Really trying to obey the commands of Christ more. And I know I have got a lot of room for improvement in this. I feel like I've done uh, a good job in some things and I'm proud of the progress I'm making. But I realize now that I'm talking about all this, I can do a lot better at following the teachings of Christ put a lot less focus on myself and more on him and more on others. And I think that in and of itself probably helps to dissipate some of these issues I might be having. Counseling teaches you so much to focus on yourself that in and of itself can be a little flutie tootie. Um, so I don't know. I just I really believe that it, it's an issue of discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Not go get yourself a counseling degree or a seminary education and help 
your people in your family in your neighborhood. He, it, it, he, it wasn't that. And it's, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, I don't know. It's a tough, tough thing to think about, but, um, then I have two people in my life that are very important to me that are very much in pursuit of this counseling thing still, and I just think that it teaches people to be dependent upon another human being, and, and I need to go back for more counseling. When, in fact, God wants us to be dependent upon Him. And I just don't think you can argue with it that much. I really don't. I think the argument, that the biggest argument I would have would be that there must be millions of people all over the world who are living fruitful, God-fearing, productive, well-done, my faith, good and faithful servant Christian lives without having ever seen the first counselor. And they've been through more junk than I've been through. And it is because they believe the totality of Scripture in faith. We in the Western culture have such a weak faith that we, we in God that we run to man for answers. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know, I'm, I, I feel so stubborn about this. So, I don't know, hopefully the Lord will continue to teach me and show me what all this means. Okay, so you've just heard a recording from 2012 where I began to really grapple with where am I going to land? What am I going to take my stand on? Is Christian counseling good at all? Does it offer any benefit? Does it offer incredible benefit? Should there be more of it or less of it? And already in my pure devotion to God, I was already taking a very passionate stance against this to the point where it was going to ultimately end up costing my relationship with the girlfriend that I keep mentioning in these recordings because she was going to get a master's degree in Christian counseling at Liberty University and I'm standing against the idea that Jesus needs anything beyond his own words to help even the most difficult of people including those who've had PTSD and so in this next recording, you're going to hear a message I recently made about a week ago to a sister who I've had an ongoing, you know, electronic relationship with, been discipling her on a few things. This is not a first contact recording. And she had asked me to speak boldly to her. She had asked me to be honest with her. And so she brought up some sources and named a few individuals of people that she had been learning from or she had experiences in the past that were all related to, quote, Christian counseling. So this is my reply to her to drive this message home even farther about how important it is to trust in the pure word of God alone that has been able to stand on its own for the last 2,000 years, 1,850 some odd years before psychology ever was even invented. Have a listen, and may God bless you as you do. The big passion that Father gave me is to move away from anything that had wisdom of man in it and bring everyone back to the Word of God that breaks up rock. The Word of God that is a fire. The Word of God, Hebrews 4.12, that is a double-edged sword able to divide between soul and spirit joints and marrow, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Man always wants to go beyond the Bible. Man always wants to add something so that they can feel valued. Sister, I have enough charisma and I have enough speaking ability that I could either start one of the world's most successful cults, 
I could have thousands of people come and live in a giant compound with me and I could have so much power over people and I could manipulate people like a Jim Jones. Unfortunately, I couldn't do this because I just don't have the evil in my heart to do it. I'm just speaking about my ability to communicate and my ability to have charisma to do all this stuff. That would be on the highest evil side. On the lower evil, I could begin to add a bunch of things that are taught by men on top of my teachings so that it appears as if I am the one that has something that you need to hear. That I have something that originated with me that I am now like an Indian guru. See, in India, the gurus, people all go to the gurus to get enlightenment, to lead them out of darkness. And they feel that the gurus are the ones that have it and they have to go to them. And the gurus are teaching things that you don't have necessarily access to in um, any source that's eternal, any source that's thousands of years old outside of buying their books or listening to their tapes or, or what have you. They are pulling away followers after themselves. And this is one of the great temptations of men is that they want to constantly add to what God's word is in spite of the fact that Paul says, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, learn the meaning of this saying we've applied to ourselves. Do not go beyond what is written. For example, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, each one should use whatever gift he has received to faithfully serve the brethren, the body of Christ, the believers, okay, bestowing God's grace in its various forms. So there's many forms of God's grace that are being given to the body of Christ through many different aspects of the gifts. But then he gives the first example speaking. And he says, if anyone speaks, in other words, if your gift to the body of Christ is the gift of speaking, he says, if anyone speaks, let him do so as one speaking the very words of God. In John seven eighteen, Jesus Christ said, anyone who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth, and there is nothing false in him. God taught me all of this and helped me to see, Michael, don't teach people from what you know or what you've read or what you come up with. Learn my word, son, and teach my word. Sister, the reason why... Thank you, God. Sister, the reason why my ministry is having the kind of impact on people's lives... That it is. For example, I would give anything if you could hear the recording I just received from Australia this morning. This lady cried for 15 minutes on this recording. And her life is changing dramatically. Because one day sitting on her couch, she came across one of my videos and never looked up. And her testimony was unbelievable, sister. And... The reason why this is happening is because I have made a commitment to teach only Father's words and only explaining as best as I can Father's words. I reject all ideas of going outside of God's word. And sister, when you mentioned Dan Allender, oh, my heart broke because I know Dan Allender. I know of him. I don't know him personally. And I went through a stage where I too, because of abuse, and he has a great deal of, you know, teaching on sexual abuse. It's kind of his thing and abuse children and all kinds of stuff. And when I first learned about him in the church, I became enamored because all these words, oh man, 
Dan Allender adds so much counseling, sister, and there's so much psychology in this that it empties God of his power. God will not honor the words of men except for temporarily people will get results from this, but you will not see lasting change. You'll not see lasting change. And here's one of the things that I always try to show people. Okay, when you bring to me a book by John Maxwell or, or Dan Allender or any of the number of great, quote, Christian authors that are out there that are very famed and very well known, Dr. Larry Crabb, um, when, you, when you come across any of these books, I always pose this question. <clears throat> what did the Christians 150 years ago do? before books were as readily available as they are today by the tens of thousands at your local bookstore. What did Christians do before all these great, quote, psychological principles came out because psychology hadn't even been invented until 150 years ago? How did they find help? How did the people who went through 10 times worse what you and I have been through, how did they find help without all this great psychobabble and these great books and these great videos on YouTube? I'll tell you how they found it. They found it in the pure... Word of God. See, this is so hard for men to believe, sister. Man, I could preach on this for hours. God forgive me, I'm not going to. But, sister, if you want to be one of those ones, if you want to press on and you want to know God, you have to get all these other things out of your life and turn to the pure, undiluted, unperverted, unadded to Word of God. Jesus Christ said, My words are spirit and they are life. My words, the words of Jesus Christ are spirit and they are life. Sister, when you listen to Michael's recordings, Brother Michael's recordings, think about how much scripture you hear me quoting. Now, I can show you a documentary, sister. I can show you a documentary that I just watched that made me so angry. And, and Dan Allender is in this movie and one of my favorite music artists is in this movie and the movie was done so incredibly well. It's beautiful. And it's about trying to help scared little men get out of their stupid pornography addictions and I tell you the truth, sister, it's powerless. It'll do nothing but to help a few people get out temporarily. I mean, even Buddhists claim to help people get out of pornography. Even Islam helps people. Even New Age, Eastern mysticism, psychology can claim, we can help you. Even secular people like Tony Robbins can claim, brother, I can help you get out of that pornography. And they'll have some results. They can't get it out of the heart and they certainly can't get that man to heaven. You can't go to heaven by getting pornography out of your life. You can only get to heaven by having Jesus Christ in your heart. And when Jesus Christ is in your heart, you can't have pornography and any number of these things that are unrighteous and filthy. But dear sister, please hear me on this. I watched this movie and I was so, this movie was so beautiful. And you know something, sister, this stupid movie only had one verse of scripture in the whole movie. In the whole movie, only one scripture was quoted. And I wanted to just pick the TV up and throw it in the garbage. I was so angry at this and people think this is so great. This is so wonderful. Sister, if a man is so brilliant to be able to learn all that he could learn like a Dan Allender and he leaves behind the words of Jesus Christ, his information is worthless. His information is worthless. And if you listen to Dan Allender, he rarely directs people to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Rarely. Rarely, and sister, I want you to hear 
this scripture. 2 John 1 9. If anyone, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, anyone, that means Dr. Dan Allender, that means any person you can name, that means Michael Criswell. If anyone runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, they do not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Sister, Dr. Dan Allender is a brilliant man, and I know that he means well, and I know that he cares, but he is directing people to psychological principles. He is not directing people to the words that are life and spirit. He's helping people get temporary results. I'd give anything to sit and have a debate with somebody like a Dr. Dan Allender. I would, and I would, I would say these things lovingly, but I would show them how they fell into the temptation of running to find words outside of Scripture, outside the words that are said to be life and spirit, outside the words that are said to be all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for correcting, teaching, rebuking, and instructing in all the ways of righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what the Bible says, 2 Timothy 3.16, about the words of God. That we don't have to go. Paul says, do not go beyond what is written. Don't go beyond what is written. And he says, if what you have did not originate with you, why do you act as though it did? Sister, this is what men do, and this is not your fault. I'm not saying this to condemn you. This is what men do. This is what I did. Okay, I was a motivational speaker. And everything in a man wants to be an expert. As soon as you write a book, they teach you, you have to find a way to differentiate yourself. Okay? First of all, there's a known principle that if you read five books on any subject, the top five books on any subject, you are considered amongst the top experts in the world if you're able to retain that information. Just five books. That's all it takes to become an expert on one subject. Okay? And then you're, you know more about that than, than most of the people in the world. Men in the business world and in psychological help, self-help world are taught they have to have a unique special sauce. That's why people will come to a Dan Allender versus a Dr. Larry Crabb versus a John Eldridge. What is it that, what's John Eldridge's special recipe? What's Larry Crabb's special recipe? What is, um, oh, I can't remember his name. There's another guy out there, um, but it's all about this special sauce, special teaching. These are men who don't maybe even realize it, but they're, they're speaking on their own and they're drawing away disciples after themselves. Even if they don't intend to, they've missed it. That's why if you notice there's a purity. Sister, I'm going to say something to you that may sound... God help you protect your heart for me to say this. Lord help her to protect her heart, to know what I mean. I say this with the most reverence and respect. Sister, I would put my ministry up against any of theirs. Who am I? Am I a John Eldridge with millions and millions and millions of dollars? Am I a John Bevere with millions and millions of dollars and best-selling books? 
Am I any of that? No. God won't even let me put my book on Amazon, sister. Why is that? Because he only wants the people that really want the truth to find it. There's not that many people that truly want the truth, but I'm just, and again, I'm not trying to tear these men down. I'm saying they have left away from the pure, sincere teaching of Jesus Christ. And they've, they believe they have to add something to it. It's like you don't trust in the words of God to do what God's word says. No, it, we have to add something to it. This is what men have done for thousands of years. They continue to want to add to God's word. And I ask you, what does it say to Father when I say, Lord, your words are good, but these are better? Your words are good, but these will help bring it home, okay? These words get them started in the Bible, but these words are better, or vice versa. I have to start them here, Lord, because let's let's get started with them where they're at. Let's meet them where they're at with these psychological psychobabble principles that all sound great and scratch the itching ears, and then eventually we'll graduate them to your word. That's like saying, let's fill up on candy, let's fill up on sugar and ice cream, and then we're going to go have a steak dinner. Sister, it is an absolute affront and a disrespect to the living words of God. But men cannot help themselves. Okay, I had to resist this temptation and it's something I constantly resist. That I don't add anything. There's nothing. If you notice, sister, find another Christian man teacher who quotes as many other people as Michael Criswell does. No, you know what they do? They hijack their stuff and they, they claim it as if it's theirs. I don't do that. That's why I mention all these other people and it breaks my heart that men do this. I don't try to steal other people's stuff. If Tozer taught me something, I say, A.W. Tozer taught me this. If, if Murray taught me this, I give these men credit and so many other people don't. And that makes, it makes me very frustrated and it makes me sad because I know how it makes the Holy Spirit feel. But sister, I'm telling you, I would put the results in my ministry. If I let you hear some of the recordings and some of the testimonials I've been receiving for seven years from around the world, that this little ministry has produced because I have committed myself to staying true to the word and spirit of Jesus Christ. I feel indignant for people who try to spoil my father's word, who try to add the words of men made of dust to the words. At some point, you have to draw a line in the sand and you have to decide, is what I'm saying radical? Is it ridiculous? Or is this maybe something that Jesus Christ might say? And he might come into the Christian bookstore and begin to flip over change tables and say, you've turned this Christian bookshelf into a marketplace. By adding your own words and forsaking. And you know what it does, sister? It causes people to fill up in their souls on the words of men and then they don't want the words of God. And so what happens is when you start to read these books, even though the stuff sounds true, listen, I can show you stuff written by Indian gurus that would blow your mind more than anything you could read from a John Eldridge or from a Dan Allender. I mean, I could tell you some stuff and show you some stuff that would just blow your mind. It's designed to blow your mind. It's designed to scratch your itching ears. It's designed to make you think, this is the truth. This is where I need to come and drink from. And what happens is, before you know it, you start buying books. I'm not saying you are. I'm saying in general. You start buying books that have more and more of the words of men. I know. I did this. And then what happens is, men will throw in a scripture verse in order to validate all that they said. It's like the scripture verse somehow or another puts the Christian stamp on it that approves that this is a, a work of God. 
Like, let me, let me, let's make sure that my words in my book become a Christian book. So to make it a Christian book, I have to put some scripture in here. And this is what a lot of these counseling programs do. They take psychological principles of men, which we know were taught from men like Carl Jung and um, uh, from men like uh, Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung actually testified. He, these are two of the great founders of psychology thinking today. And both of these men have got such horrific, deviant, spiritually deviant testimonies. Carl Jung even testifies to having a spirit guide sister. And, and many Christians, I mean, I even one time I started hearing some of his stuff and I'm like, wow, this guy's stuff is incredible. You know, hurt people, hurt people. When I first learned that, I'm like, wow, that is so true. Hurt people, hurt people. When I heard him say things like, the foundation of all mental illness is the unwillingness to embrace and feel legitimate pain. I said, wow, that's profound, sister. That's a bunch of psychobabble from men. It's to, it, that's, why it's, that's why you go, wow. You don't read the words of Jesus Christ and go, wow. You read the words of Jesus Christ and go, ow. As soon as you hear something in a Dan Allender book or in any of these books and it makes you go, wow, you can know that's not coming from the Spirit of God. The words of God make you go, ow. He says, is not my word like a hammer that breaks up rock? This is what he says to Jeremiah. Is not my word like a hammer? Who is going to feel a hammer on their head and go, wow? No, they're going to go, ow. That's why people don't want it. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of their heart. It condemns them. And so what do they do? They want to have a peace of mind. So they run to a spirituality that doesn't have doctrine, doesn't have legalism, doesn't have requirements to lay down this, set down this, do this, don't do that. And slowly but surely, you drift away back into the words of men all the while going, man, this sounds so good. It's so true. It's so wonderful. This is really... Sister, a lot of the stuff the Indian gurus teach is true. Okay, it is true that hurt people hurt people. There's nothing profound about that. It sounds profound. It's true. It is also true that a lot of mental illness comes out of the fact that people are not willing to grieve their pain. They're not willing to embrace. I understand all these things. Listen, long before Carl Jung was around, long before Dan Allender was around, long before Larry Crabb or John Eldridge had all these great insights about this stuff, there's a man named David who looks about as bipolar of any human being I've ever known. Just a flip of a chapter, he's up. Another chapter, he's down. Another chapter, he's up. Another chapter, he's down. He's on his bed. He's crying out, pouring out, drenching his bed, drenching his couch with tears. Then he's praising the Lord. Oh God, you are great. Who is like you? You've put rocks and gravel in on my enemy's teeth. You've crushed. You've surrounded us, protected us on all sides. You've delivered us. Your name is great. Holy, holy, holy. The next chapter, oh God, where are you? Lord, I've confessed. Where are you? Why do you not hear me? Why do you plug your ears to my prayer? This is like bipolar Christianity. What it is, is true Christianity. It's a man who's grieving, a man who's being honest. You know, there's more, more good counseling in the Psalms than there is in all the counselors in the world combined together that will actually help people. Everything we need to know about how to get real with God is right there in the Psalms. But see, sister, the temptation of men is to draw away disciples after themselves, okay? If I wanted to tweak a few things, if I wanted to do like a lot of people, I could probably have a million subscribers by now, easily. 
Who, who's ever heard of people going like this lady's testimony today and watching four or five of my videos in a day? I've heard of people staying up all night long watching my story video two and three times just back to back all night long. If I wanted to start teaching things people wanted to hear, if I wanted to start promoting and spending some money and get a book published and start going out, you know how many people invite me to come speak? I could be the international speaker. People, these international well-known. I could do that. I get. I used to get emails from people all the time. Come to the Philippines. Come to India. Come to this country. Will you come and speak? People quite often say, I just received one from California. Michael, are you ever? do you ever come out and speak? Do you go this no, I don't do that because I'm not trying to make a name for Michael. I'm trying to be a, a road sign pointing people to Jesus Christ. I don't care about fame. I'm not interested in being fame. In fact, there's many times I'm like, God, you can have the ministry back. I just want to disappear and have a quiet life. And you know something? All praise to my father. He has given me a blessed life in this. He has not, he has not made my life miserable, sister. He has not given me more than I can handle. He's not asked me to do things that make me miserable. He has given me the grace to do everything that he's asked me to do. And sister, God has blessed my ministry so much that I can't even tell people about it. People wouldn't believe me and it would start to feel like I'm promoting myself or exalting myself. If all I did was to, to allow people to see the emails that I receive. It's unbelievable, sister. I would put these testimonials up against any Dan Allender, against any, I'm telling you, it would wipe them out. They haven't made this kind of impact on people. I don't care what they say. There's temporary results. You do not get good results and permanent results, bread that lasts forever, outside of the pure words and teachings of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. Sister, I want to, again, I want to remind you that I'm very passionate about these things. It's like I I'm very upset at men that do this. I'm very upset. I've been preaching against this for years. I do not believe in counseling at all. I believe in discipleship only. The greatest counseling, get honest with God. Confess your sins and get in that Bible and learn about what that sin is going to do to you if you stay in it until you're dead. That's the greatest counseling you can get is to teach people what the Bible says about your condition and how to get out of it through the words of Christ. But men don't, hey, oh, just the Bible. Come on, man. And I've heard every kind of excuse. Oh, yeah. You show me your testimonials, Mr. Fatty Head, and I'll show you my testimonials. The Bible says, <laughs> I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that impassionately to all these wimps who walk away from the word of God and think that they have something better in the words of men. They're going to find out, even those who... Like a Dan Allender, if he loves Jesus and Jesus is, is in him, sister, I tell you the truth, I have no doubt in my mind that he will be one of those whose works are burned up. They will not pass the fire. The day is coming to test every man's work and they will not pass. And Jesus, Paul says, if, if what the man has built survives, he'll receive his reward. If not, he'll enter into heaven as one only escaping the flames. And of course, that's if he's overcome in his faith all the way to the end. This is specifically a passage on Christian workers. And he laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we're not to go beyond that. And you're not to build with gold, silver, stone, costly wood, hay. You're not to build with any of those things. 
Those things are all the elements of earth. And Peter says that when the day of the Lord comes, that fire is going to burn even the elements of the earth. See, a lot of people read that passage and they go, oh, I guess I'd be better building with gold. I used to think that too. No, I meditated on it. I read the word of God. God showed me all of those are elements. All of those are things of the earth and all of those are going to be burnt up on that day. The only thing that will last, my words, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will last forever. Think about that, sister. Heaven and earth, everything you see on this earth, diamonds, gold, jewelry, the mountains, the waves, the sea, the wind, the trees, the birds, the bees, the animals, the people, everything is going to be burnt up. Jesus said, my words will last forever. Not the words of Michael Criswell. Not the words of Dan Allender. Not the words of Larry Crabb. Only his words. See, Jesus is so jealous over his words. Jesus is jealous over his cross and over salvation. That's why you can't do anything to earn it. You have to come through the cross. And sister, what I'm telling you is some deep stuff that very few people want to hear about or know, but I'm telling you because I believe you're teachable and I believe God is after you to come to a higher level. And if you'll listen to what I'm telling you and you'll take it prayerfully before the Lord, okay? God will move these things in your heart and you can grow and you can get to a place in your life where you will not be as popular as other people perhaps. But you will have fruit in your life that will last. And when you show up at heaven's doorstep, there will not be shame on your face because what you built was something that didn't survive the day of the Lord. And you'll know a fruitfulness that very few Christians will know. I believe God wants you to hear this. Sister, Jesus loves you. You are a precious, beloved sister in the Lord. Jesus loves you. I feel protective towards you. I feel that you are one who God wants to see come higher and higher. He wants to see you climb with him out of the lowlands where so many people stay. Not that you're necessarily there, but there's much more, sister. There's higher levels. There's greater depths of insight in the Spirit of God. There's greater power. Remember, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of words and talk, but of power power. Power to put down sin. Power to be used as a minister in other people's life so that other people are being conformed more into the image of Jesus Christ through you. Sister, what you build down here, if you listen to what I'm telling you, these rewards last forever. If you get it right down here and God is able to build something in your life, you will reap those rewards for all of eternity. Paul says to Timothy, in a large house, there are many items. Some are for noble purposes and some are for ignoble purposes. Honest and dishonest. Common and not common. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be made useful and fit in the master's hand for every good work. This is the idea of getting out of you and I all of the things that we believe that we are depending upon, that we are reading, that we are trusting in, that are not noble, that are not honest, that are not pure, that are not of the same pure gospel, pure Jesus, and pure spirit as he was. If we cleanse ourselves from these things, 
We will be made useful, sister. It's why I've been made useful. I cleansed myself from all these things and I was willing to be courageous and take a stand. One of my dearest best friends in the whole world was a Christian counselor and I had to tell him, man, I think you're wrong. You've started studying all these books on the brain and the hypothalamus and the this and that and the reticulator this and this, that and the other and the so forth and so on. And I said, brother, what in the world does any of this have to do with helping me to become a better follower of Jesus Christ? And since you just now learned this now, what would have happened to me if I lived 100 years before that information was available? How, what of all the greatest Christians that have ever lived, which incidentally, the very best Christians that have ever lived, sister, they have already lived and gone. They don't exist anymore. There is no more of those kind of Christians on this earth. The greatest Christians, the greatest spiritual DNA is behind us. We are in decay. Like a body, we're in the geriatric stage. We are dying as the body of Christ. Luke 18, 8, when son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? This thing is dying out. It's winding down. The greatest is behind us. I hate to say it, but it's very true. It is true. God has given me this insight. And so... When I hear my friends saying things like this, and I say, man, you have this wrong. You're, you're going to the world and to the men. What does Isaiah 2.22 say? Stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? And these men don't have any idea what a betrayal is to add to the words of Father. And to, to, to draw away men after themselves and to actually try to help. Can you, can you imagine... I want you to imagine that you tried to help people on behalf of me, but you didn't use my words. You hijacked my person and you, you, you injected your own words and your own thoughts. You used my celebrity. You used my renown. You used my desire for people to be known by me, but you took away my words and you used your own words. If I felt offended by that, sister, how much more does the Father in heaven feel when we do this to him all the time? We hijack his words. Either that or we kick him aside and say, here's some better words for you. Sister, the last point I want to make on this is that the greatest Christians that ever lived never got involved in any of this psychobabble stuff. They did not go to the Christian bookstore and read and find the latest, greatest PhD and what his thoughts were on sexual abuse. You don't need to know those things. It doesn't matter if you've been sexually abused by one person or by 10 person. The cure is always the same. It is the person of Jesus Christ. And when you come to Jesus with your sexual abuse, you're coming with a lot of anger and a lot of hurt, a lot of unforgiveness. And so the first thing Jesus is going to talk to you about is, I love you, but I want you to forgive those who've hurt you because I have forgiven you and I'm going to continue to forgive you of how you've hurt me. And you employ the basic teachings of Christ. And Jesus says that he steps into the person's life who begins to hear and obey his teachings, John 14, 21 through 23. And when Jesus Christ manifests himself to a person, and when Jesus Christ makes his home with a person, sister, I tell you the truth, there's no amount of sexual abuse in the world that can hold the child back from becoming a beloved child of God when that happens. There's no need for a seminar. There's no conferences that can compete with that. There's no YouTube videos that can come close. There's no, there's no nothing that can come close to the experience of Jesus Christ making his home with you and manifesting his presence to you. God is after you, sister, and you are in a very transitionary time of your life. You've been struggling for a long time and I'm trying to encourage you. And I know it doesn't sound like it. I know some of this stuff sounds harsh. Please don't take it harsh. I care deeply about you, okay? 
And I'm telling you the truth because I care deeply about you. And I have the courage to tell you the truth, to be honest with you. Because God was always honest with me. Please don't feel bad. Don't feel down or discouraged. You are loved. You are cared for, okay? You can truly be a jewel in your father's crown. As you continue to love Jesus and devote yourself to him and to his word. And one of the greatest ways you can devote yourself to him is by being loyal to his words and not going to the, to the men. You know, think about how he, father may feel jealous. If I was a best-selling author and you were my wife and all of a sudden I found that you began to really, really present somebody else's book over mine, that would make me feel so jealous. Do you know one time my wife did this to me? She was not watching my videos. She still doesn't and she never has. But one time she came to me and she started telling me about this fantastic uh, young Indian preacher in India who was really preaching the truth and she was so excited. And instead of me being excited because she was listening to it, I was hurt. Because I said, Persis, you live with a man who lives, eat, breathes, and sleeps the truth. I practice it. You see it. You see that I actually live what I preach every day. You don't watch my videos. You know my life. You don't honor me as a man of God. You never say anything about my godliness to other people. You never honor me to, in between you and I, you don't watch my videos. You don't honor the work that Father has done through me. But now you're telling me you're so childlike excited over this other man's videos. Persis, you don't know anything about his life. How do you know that that man is living it like I am? You don't know how he treats his wife. You don't know how he treats his kids. You don't know about his temper. You don't know about any of his lust. I'm not saying he's a horrible guy, but you don't know these things and you're making him out to be somebody he's not perhaps. And you're watching his videos getting all excited. I felt like betrayed. It's maybe not the best example, but I hope you understand. Father, his name is Jealous. Jesus is part of Father. That means part of Jesus' name is jealous. All who come to me, Jesus said. And so he's jealous. And I feel, and the Bible says, do you not know the spirit that he caused to live inside of you envies intensely? What I hear in this message with, that I'm making for you is the Father pleading to you, envying intensely for you, to be one of his pure in the bride. To be somebody who will respect and honor his pure word. And who will commit yourself to finding all of your hope and all of your life and all of your peace in the words of God. And not going outside of it. Sister, you are loved and appreciated and respected. God bless you and keep you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.